Amen. It's his spirit leading us on. It's his spirit that we have to have move even in this service tonight. We have to have him each and every moment of each and every day. You know, I heard Brother Tim say something during our meetings. He said one, one day, he said, the time for just having good services is over. The time for just having good sermons is over. We got to have the moving of the Spirit of God and the power of God in our life each and every day. It can't be just about we heard a good sermon. But we need Jesus to move tonight. We need the Holy Spirit to break chains and fetters tonight. And I know I can't do it, but we're relying on Him. And I pray that you just remember me in prayer as we go before Him now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've gathered in this place tonight, Lord, not to see a man, not to hear from a man, Lord. But we're believing with all our heart that we're going to hear from the throne of heaven tonight. Lord, we're relying on you, Lord Jesus, to come down and just take over this vessel, Lord. Lord God, and to speak words of life to your people, Lord. Lord, you know each and every need. You know each and every situation, Lord God. And only you can take a sermon or take words, Lord, and break it apart, Lord Jesus, in just the perfect way, Lord. And divide it in just a perfect way to give each one their portion to meet the need that they came into the building with. Lord, and that's our desire tonight, that you would move, Lord God, that you would be victorious. Lord, show yourself to be a living God tonight. Lord, we know it's the truth. You've manifested it time and time again here in this very building, here in lives, Lord God, that, are, that I see standing before me. Lord Jesus, we know you to be a living God. Lord, we ask you once again tonight to move, to take the word, Lord Jesus. Lord, and break the bread of life, Lord. May every chain, every hindering spirit, every power of hell be broken tonight. Lord God, we're relying on you, Lord, on your spirit. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 27. And then after that, we're also going to read from the book of Esther chapter 2. Matthew 27 and verse 27 says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and they took the reed and they smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. If you'll look also with me in Esther, the second chapter and the 17th verse. We're just going to read the one verse. It says, And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word as you have your seats. Tonight I'd like to speak to you for a, for a little while on the subject that I might wear a crown. That I might wear a crown. You know, the Bible speaks many times of crowns. Um, there, are, there are crowns in the Bible that speak of royalty and crowns that speak of power. 
Then there are crowns that, that speak of victory, such as the ones given to, to the Olympians in ancient days when they would run and win a race and they would be crowned with a, a victor's crown. And Paul speaks of the in, incorruptible crown that we strive for. And there's a crown of righteousness spoken of, a, a crown of joy, a crown of glory that fadeth not away, and, and, a, and a crown of life. And whether we be speaking of, of literal crowns when we speak of these things or figurative crowns, whatever they may be, I want everything that Jesus has for me. I don't care if you want to say it's literal or it's figurative or you're going to get a real crown or these are just things he's going to crown my life with. That doesn't matter to me. If my Lord has it for me, I want it. I want everything that he has for me. And that goes for when we're here and that goes for when we're there. I want everything he has for me there. I want every reward that he has for me there. And I'm not going to turn anything down. But I also want everything that's been placed in the word that he wants to give me while I'm here on this earth. While I'm here fighting while I'm here striving, while I'm here living and, and serving him to the best of my ability, if he wants to bless me, I want to take it. If he wants to give me a crown, I want to take it. I'm not going to turn down nothing that Jesus has for me. If it's in his word tonight, I want to declare if it's in the word, I'll take it. If he wants to give me the gift of tongues, I'll take it. If he wants to give me a jump and a shout, I'm not going to turn those things down. If he wants to give that to me, I'm going to take it. If he wants to give me a shout and a dance, I'm going to take it tonight. There's nothing that the Lord can, can offer me that I'm going to turn down. There's nothing that he can go to offer me that I'm going to look at and think of it too little that I shouldn't apply it to my life. I want everything that he has for me. If he wants to, you know, and we should take that same attitude as a church body, not just as individuals. If he wants to pour out his spirit in Evening Light Tabernacle to make us a lighthouse to the rest of the world of how the Holy Spirit still moves and how the Holy Spirit still operates, you won't catch us backing up from it. We're going to declare tonight, we'll take it. You may not like it. You may not want it. It may not be for you, but we're going to eat the whole lamb. If you don't want it, you want to turn it down, give it here. We'll take it at Evening Light Tabernacle. We want the spirit of God moving we want everything that he has for us it may not be that attractive to some people everything in the word it may not be something everything in there may not be things you like but but before the exodus they had to eat the whole lamb there wasn't parts of it they can pick and choose it said eat it all and we have to be willing to eat it all tonight every king every crown that my king wants to bestow on me i'll take it and most importantly of all, I believe, in, and I believe we should accept these crowns. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and I believe in accepting everything he has. But beyond all that, we must make sure that our lives are crowned with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we must come to, to where we know that the crown of the Holy Spirit has been placed upon our head, and he has sealed us to the day of redemption. Because I can get that jump, and I can get that shout, but if I don't have the crown of the Holy Spirit on my life, then those things aren't going to benefit me. But once crowned with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, once indwelled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then I can really jump and shout in the Spirit. Then I can rejoice in the Spirit. Then I can worship him in the Spirit, because the Spirit dwelleth in me. So we must make sure that our life has been crowned with the Holy Spirit. But we got to come to the place and we, we got to remember, we have to recognize too many times, I feel like it's forgotten, the reason that you even have opportunity to be crowned. The reason that you even have opportunity to have the victories is because of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. The reason that I can have the Holy Spirit tonight is that he was willing to allow his blood to spill out on the ground and the life of that blood cell to be released back into the hearts of men and women. Tonight, I want to remember the sacrifice that he gave. The whole earth was crowned in sin and darkness. 
It was under a curse that, that man had caused, and yet man could in no way take the curse away. And the reason... And the reason that, and I said this, that we have this opportunity to be crowned because before Jesus came, men could not be crowned. They couldn't be crowned with the Holy Spirit. They had to walk underneath this curse of sin because there was no kinsman that could come and take away the sin of the world. All they had was a substitute, and we'll get into that, to get into that more often uh, later on. We'll get into that more as we, as we go along. But Jesus on that night, the scripture we read in Matthew 27 we know how the events of the night unfolded, how Jesus had had the last supper with the disciples, and then he had gone out into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And it is here that, that we know that Jesus dies a death there in the Garden of Gethsemane, not the death of the cross, but he dies a death to self. And he dies a death to self-will, to self and, and he struggles with the knowledge of the pain. And he struggles with the knowledge of the anguish that he knows he's about to endure. And he comes to the place where he actually asks, Father, let this cup pass from me. But the most important part is he says, but not my will, but thy will be done. You know, there's a lot of things in the scripture that I'm thankful for. There's a lot of things throughout the scriptures that I look at and I rejoice in. But I'm so thankful tonight that our Lord Jesus came to that place where he said, Not my will, but thy will be done. It was that death right there that made the cross even be possible. It was that moment right there that was going to lead to me being completely set free and total delivery, totally delivered. And that's the place that each and every one of us as Christians has to come to in our own life. Where we can lay down our self-will and say, Lord, not my my will, but thy will be done. We have to get to the place where we lay aside our plans. We have to get to the place where we lay aside what we think about things and our dreams and our desires, and we have to lay them at the foot of Jesus and say, Jesus, not my will, but thy will be done. What you have to remember is, is that he could crown your life better than you ever could anyway. He can give you the things that you need and deserve or desire better than you ever could anyway. So just lay those hopes down at his feet. Lay those dreams down at his feet. Lay everything you you are down at his feet and say, Lord, let your will be done in my life, and it's going to work out way better than it ever would if you did it on your own anyway. There's been too many times that I've learned too many lessons to where I go and I say, I think I can do this. I'm going to do it my way, and it's a failure. It's a flop every single time, but when his hand's on it, when his spirit's moving, when it's his will and it's what he wants done for my life, then we'll always be successful. It will always bring victory. It'll always lead me to be in the place that I need to be, and that's in the will of God. So we must come to the place where we say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. So we know that the priests and the elders take counsel against him as Judas betrays him. And they take counsel to put him to death. And he is bound like a common criminal. And he's led to be delivered to Pilate. And here he is mocked. And he's beaten beyond recognition. As we read there in Matthew 27, the Bible says he was scourged. Under the Roman method of scourging, what would happen is the prisoner would be completely stripped and then stretched with cords to where it was almost pulling you apart. You'd be stretched on a frame and then beaten with rods. And another form of scourging would consist of a handle with three long lashes or thongs of leather with pieces of metal fastened to them. Why? For your healing. Why? For your deliverance. Why? That you might wear a crown. 
And so they begin to beat him. They begin to mock him and they begin to make fun of him. And they turn it into a sport. They turn Jesus into their entertainment. May we never get to the place here at Evening Light Tabernacle where the moving of the spirit or the preaching of the word or anything is just for our entertainment. Jesus Christ is not for our entertainment. Jesus Christ is not a catchphrase. I was talking to my wife about it. I get so frustrated and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings when I see somebody wearing one of these t-shirts that says Jesus and coffee. Jesus isn't a catchphrase to me. Jesus isn't something to be acquainted with coffee. Jesus is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He took beatings that I deserved. He had his flesh ripped apart when I deserved it. He went to hell when I deserved it. He's not a catchphrase. He's not here for our entertainment. We're here to worship him. We're here to give him everything we have. We're here to lay it all down at his feet because he died for you. He bled for you. He was beat for you that you might wear a crown. Let's not turn it into some entertainment or turn it into some little catchphrase or something about Jesus this or Jesus that. You mention that name with reverence. You speak that name in reverence. Speak it in prayer. Speak it in worship. But never as just a catchphrase. They turn Jesus into their entertainment and a whole band of soldiers gathers around and they strip him and they put on a scarlet robe. In the next few minutes, there's going to be spitting. They spit in his face. There's going to be taunting. There's going to be hitting him over the head and mocking him. Who hit you, prophet? Who hit you if you're, if you're really the king of the Jews? If you're really a prophet, who was it that did that? Why don't you tell me my address? Why don't you tell me what's wrong with me? And they begin to mock God as they torment him and beat him and hit him. And in this moment, something is needed to finish his wardrobe. They've got him in purple. They got the reed. Something's needed. What are we going to finish this with? Oh, a crown is needed. And one of the soldiers looks over and there, there's a bush or a tree with long, dark, awful thorns. And he goes over and he cuts off a section of this bush, seeking to inflict torture. Seeking to inflict pain. Looking to mock his kingship. That's what the world's done with him today. They mock his kingship. They mock everything about him. They go their own way. Their actions prove that they don't think he's a king. Their actions prove that they don't think he has any authority or any domain over them. They live how they want. They do what they want. How dare us live a life that would mock his kingship? If he's your king, live as if he's your king. If he's your king, then live subject to the word of God. If he's your king, do the things the king has asked you to do. But don't mock his kingship. The soldier goes over and he cuts a section of the tree and he begins to plot a crown. You know, all things that God does is for a reason. There's nothing that he does without, with, with, that doesn't have a purpose. There's nothing that ever happened that doesn't fulfill something that he wanted it to fulfill. Nothing is without purpose. And every part of the trial of Jesus Christ was fulfilling something. Every part of the crucifixion was fulfilling something. Everything in there had a very specific purpose and a very specific meaning. And Satan, being ignorant to what it was he was doing, was actually walking right down the plan of God. 
anointing men, thinking that he was doing things to crush the seed of man, uh, the seed of the woman, thinking he was doing things to, to end this once and for all. And there he was walking exactly where God wanted him to walk, doing exactly what God wanted him to do. Listen, Satan can't do anything to you outside of what God permits him to do. Satan can do nothing but move you to the place that you need to be moved. Satan can do nothing to destroy your life until God is through with you. He can't take you. He can't touch a hair on your head. He cannot destroy you. He cannot do nothing. All, all the storms, all the winds, all the waves, everything that he brings up against your life, the trials and situations, they're doing nothing but molding you. They're doing nothing but getting you ready to leave this place. The scriptures would say that all things work together for good. And sometimes it's hard for us to see how that works. How is this good? Well, that in and of itself may not be good, but what it's doing to your life is good for, for you, for your eternal destination, for your crown of life. It seems rough and it seems painful, but that's what happens when sandpaper gets taken to you. It's not pleasant. It doesn't feel good, but it's working for your good to take the rough edges off. It's working for your good to get you polished and get you in the place that you need to be. So even though Satan doesn't recognize it and he's ignorant to what he's doing, he's walking directly into God's plan. He's anointing men to carry out the very thing that would heal me. He's anointing men to beat him. He's anointing men to whip him. And then Satan thinks I'm destroying him and I'm being healed right there in the process of it. He's anointing men to nail him to a cross and send him to a grave. And right there, he's setting me free. Right there, he's making sure my sins are forgiven. Right there, he's making sure that one day I'm going to wear a crown. Satan can't do nothing outside of what God permits him to do. He has men delivering bruises for my iniquities. And then they crown him. There has never been a crown less fitting for a king. There has never been a king that had to wear such a terrible crown. It was awful. It was painful. It was pressed down through the meat down until it hit his skull to where it could go no further. Why? Look, he died so I wouldn't have to die. He went to hell so I wouldn't have to go to hell. And he wore that crown of thorns so I would never one time, never one time, never one time have to wear any crown that the devil would try to put on my head. He tries to crown me, I say, no, sir. He already wore that crown. He tries to crown me, I say, no, sir. I'm not accepting that. He already wore it. He already took it to the grave. He already conquered death. He already conquered hell. He wore that crown so that I never have to wear it, not even one time. I'd never have to be crowned by anything that the devil would try to put on my life. I don't have to wear his crown of sin. I get to wear a crown of righteousness. I don't have to wear his crown of bitterness. I get to have a spirit of forgiveness. I don't have to wear his crown of sickness. I have a crown of healing. I have to wear nothing that the devil crowns me with. He may come and he may try to put it on me. He may attach something to me, but I do not have to let it stay. I don't have to accept it. I can cast it down. The only crowns I ever have to wear are the crowns of the Lord Jesus Christ, a crown of life, a crown of righteousness, a crown of joy. Joy, a crown of rejoicing. He crowns my life in loving kindness. He crowns my life in joy. He crowns my life in peace. Those are the crowns that I'll wear. God's crowns that we gain always signify victory. Whereas the crowns of the enemy are always crowns of death and crowns of defeat. 
And there's a battle raging every day around you as Satan seeks to crown you with some spirit of darkness. He tries to place crowns of defeat upon your life to keep you from achieving the victories that God has intended for you. There are victories that God has put out in front of you that he plans for you to reach. And the enemy is trying to buffet you and try to keep you from reaching them. But all he can do, he may can give me a bad day. But let me tell you what, at the end of the day, I'm victorious. At the end of the day, I'm a son of God. He can't do anything to change that. He can't do anything to stop you. You will be victorious. And the only thing that can keep you from reaching that goal and reaching that victory is if you allow yourself to stop. If you allow the things he put in front of you to make you stop or take a step back. But I don't care how hard it is tonight. If you can only move an inch, move an inch. If you can only crawl, crawl. If you can only walk, walk. If you can run, run. But keep moving forward tonight. He can't keep you from your victory. He can't keep you from your crowning achievement. The crown of life that he has laid aside for you. He tries to place these crowns of defeat. And he places circumstances. And he places symptoms in the way. To keep you from reaching your full potential in Christ. He tries to get you to accept something. That comes from him. Brother Branham would refer to it as Satan trying to crown your life. He says, oh God, I know. Give me grace to never complain. I want my life, Lord. I want my people's life, God. Grant our life could be crowned. No matter if we suffer, whatever takes place, how many turns against me. I know this one thing in my life. As I get older, my friends, the stream behind me will soon be running out. Nearer and nearer as I go down the road. And I know one thing. It'll come to pass after a while that there'll be nobody come to me and say or ask me for advice. The ones who know me in my younger days will be gone on. If I shall live, my friends will get fewer and fewer as I get older. And now that someday I've got to die. I hope that God never lets Satan crown me as an old, crabbed, indifferent man. And my wife, an old, nagging woman, or your wife, or you that way. I pray, brother, that our lives will be crowned with the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, truth, faith in the Holy Spirit. He says, I don't try to, I, I don't try to say too much about it. You know about people complaining. Because I think one of the horriblest things is to see a man or woman that's constantly complaining. I've always thought, God, keep me from it. That weakens faith all the time, you know. If you, I know as they get older, each one of us, we're going to get something and something's going to happen. I know those little things are going to keep accumulating. That's as you get older. They just got to. But I think one of the most horrible things is for Satan to crown someone's life, a crabbed old man or an old woman. I hope that I don't get to that place. I hope that I can bear it, my burdens, and get to a spot to where I want my life crowned with the glory of God. His long-suffering, his gentleness, his peace, his meekness, and filled with the Holy Spirit. So we know that the enemy would like to come and crown your life with things that are unbecoming to the Holy Spirit. Crown your life with things that are contrary to the fruits of the Spirit. The crowns you wear become your identity. The crowns you wear identify you. It identifies what kingdom you're of by the crowns that you wear. When someone says, wow, that crowned their life, then you're literally speaking to the way they carried themselves or acted because it took over their life. If you say, wow, that depression really crowned their life, then you're, when you say that, you're saying it, it became who they were. They couldn't function. They couldn't live. Everywhere they went, you saw depression. You saw it manifested in their life. 
But I want us as Christians for people to be able to say the Holy Spirit has crowned their life. To where everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit is on display. Everywhere we go, we see the actions of the Holy Spirit living out of us. Let that be what crowns our life. What you're crowned by is what people know you as. It's what people know you for. If you're kind and gentle, people know that. If you're mean and old and and crabby and gripey, people know that. It's what they know you as. Oh, I'm talking about so-and-so. Oh, you mean the mean guy? You mean the angry person? Oh, you mean that sweet old lady that comes to the church? You see, your crown that you wear is how people identify you. It becomes who you are. And we know that the end game or the end goal that we have is to be crowned with a crown of life. To, to receive a crown of life on that day. The scripture would say in 2 Timothy 4 and 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. See, that's the prize or the mark that we're all pressing for tonight. But along the way, there are battles to be won. Along the way, there are other crowns to be gotten. Listen, David was anointed to wear the crown. David was anointed to be the king of Israel. But between here and there, there was a Goliath. There was a victory to be won over a Goliath. And you've been crowned to sit on the throne of heaven. You've been crowned the queen of heaven. But between now and then, between here and there, there's some devil's heads that are going to have to come off. Between now and there, there's crowns of victory that you're going to wear. There's victories you're going to win over depression, over sickness, over lukewarmness. You're going to have crowns to wear. You're going to have victories that you win. We're not just going to bypass all that and go get a crown. We're going to fight every single day, but we're going to win every single day. You will be victorious. There's crowns to get between here and there. It's just like a runner in the Olympics. When they win the Olympic race, they're awarded a crown. But in order to even be there competing... They've been competing their whole life. In order to even be in that final race, they have practiced every day. They have gotten up and shown discipline every single day. They've run in many races and they've already won many crowns to even have the opportunity to be there running in that race to win that crown. And I want to tell you tonight, for many years you've been running the race. For many years, Satan has tried to stop us. Oh, but I'm going to tell you tonight, as the song says, the bride of Jesus is still alive. For many years, he's been fighting against you and warring against you. And it's been battle after battle, battle after battle, trial after trial. But let me declare to you tonight, it's been victory after victory, victory after victory, devil defeated after devil defeated after devil defeated. That's how it's going to be. I want to go ahead and give him fair notice. That's how it's going to be from now until. What do you mean until? Until I leave, until the rapture, until I leave this earth. As long as I'm here, I'm going to torment you. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to tear your kingdom down. I'm going to throw your crowns down because I got some crowns to win. I got to have something to lay at my Savior's feet. I got some victories I got to give over to Jesus when I step beyond that curtain of time. It's going to be that way until I leave here. That's my testimony. You say, that doesn't sound like me at all, Brother Aaron. I hadn't been winning all the time. Look, I'm not here to give the devil glory. Have there been struggles? Absolutely. Have there been hardships? Absolutely. Have there been trials and shortcomings? Sure. All the time. 
but I don't have to wear those crowns tonight. When there's a struggle, when there's a fall, when there's a hardship, I don't have to walk around with that crown on my head defining who I am. I don't have to walk around with that crown on my head letting it identify me as I'm a failure. Listen, you're not here in the final lap of the final race at the closing of the church ages because you're a loser. You weren't put in this situation because you've been losing. You've been put here because you're an overcomer. You've been put here because you're the best of the best of the best. You say, I don't feel like the best. I don't care what you feel like tonight. The Word of God has put you in the most important place that you can be placed down through the annals of time. And He's saying to you, you're the best I got. Now run with everything you have. Run with everything you've got and go take your crown. We've all faltered. We've all had failures and mistakes. But that's not my legacy. That's not what's going to define me. And it's not what's going to be my crown. Listen, the very fact that you're still in the battle. The very fact that you still remain. The very fact that you're still here running tells me one thing. You're going to wear a crown. You're going to wear a crown. It's going to be a bright and shining crown. Is it going to be a real crown? I don't know, but if it is, I'll take it. But I know I'm going to be crowned with eternal life. I know I'm going to be crowned with a new body. I know I'm going to be crowned to live eternally with my brothers and sisters and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because you're still fighting, because you're still standing, I know you're going to wear a crown. Psalms 103 and 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destructions? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Oh, Lord, crown my life with your tender mercies today. I can look back over my years and, and see my faults and failures, but his tender mercies has crowned my life. His tender mercies have been there every step of the way. He's never left me alone. My life has been crowned with his presence and his mercies. And yet, there's Satan also wanting to crown your life. Also seeking to crown other lives. We see in the book of Revelation chapter 12 that the dragon has crowns. Here the word for crowns is a Greek word diadem which shows power, authority. It shows that he has a kingdom. And he wants to crown your life with something from his kingdom. Give you something outside the kingdom of God. And the reason he wants to do this is he wants to change your identity. He wants to give you an identity outside of the one that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to crown your life in something that when people look at you, they can't identify you with Christ. Or more importantly, when you look at yourself, all you see is this crown that he has put on your life. When you look at yourself, all you see is that and you forget that your life is crowned with his mercies, his tender mercy and his loving kindness. It makes you forget who you are and what the Lord has done for you because all you can see is this crown of evil that Satan wants to place upon your head to change your identity. And it's something that every one of us is going to face. Uh, because he uses life situations, he uses temptation, he uses sicknesses, he uses circumstance. And he puts these things upon you in order for you to forget who you are. But the thing is, is you can't allow it to sit there and become who you are. You don't have to wear it tonight. You don't have to allow it to stay. We don't have to accept anything that, that he gives us. And we definitely don't let it, have to let it define us. Because when he went to Calvary, he broke that curse of sin. See, before that, before the power of the Holy Ghost, before the shedding of the blood, a man may have to deal with these things. There was no power to overcome that, that temper. Sin nature ruled in a man. 
there was no power to overcome that selfishness because even though they could shed the blood of a lamb, that life couldn't come back over in the nature of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't there to give them the victory, to give them the ability to cast down the crowns that Satan was trying to put upon their life. It all started there in Eden when Satan had come down and he brought a crown of death to the earth. And man allowed him to crown God's creation with sin and death. And from that point on, Satan had a claim. From that point on, Satan had a right for these things that he would put in men's lives. And the earth became crowned in the attributes of sins. There, there was wickedness, there was sickness, there was death and dying. And, and, and sin ruled over the earth and sin ruled over man. Sin ruled over everything below man that had fallen. And sin nature crowned the lives of man. And thorns actually become a symbol for the curse of sin. We see in Genesis 3.17, it says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns, also thistles, shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Thank God that it didn't end right there with just the pronunciation of a curse. But if you read on, there's also the promise of a redeemer. There's promise of one who's going to come and break sin's curse because he didn't create man in his image to have him defeated. He didn't create man in his image to see him crowned with sickness. He didn't create man in his image to, to see him cast down and downtrodden and sin ruling over him. And yet here he is. Here's Adam and Eve. Here's his creation. The crown jewel of his creation stands before him defeated. Stands before him crowned in sin. Crowned in the crown of Satan. And he stands there and God is so determined and, and, and he can't stand what he's looking at. He, he can't just cast them away. He, there's too much love for him. And so to fulfill the law in that moment, something has to die. So he kills an animal as a substitute. And Brother Branham says, now notice, God went out and got some skins and come in and made aprons and tied them around. Now notice, if God got skins, he had to kill something. Something had to die to make a covering. And he killed something and he got the skins off of them. Something died in their place because the penalty was death. So an innocent victim had to die for the guilty to cover them up. And see, that was just a substitute that had died in their place and it covered sin, but it could not break the curse of sin. Man couldn't enter into God's presence when they died because of the curse of sin. And that's why they would have to go to a place called paradise. And sin, sin ruled. And when man would die, they would die under the atonement of a, uh, of a bull or under the atonement of a goat or something of that nature. And that's why, like I said, they ended up in paradise until the day of redemption. The blood of a woolly lamb could not break sin's curse. We even see it there at Mount Moriah, which is one of the most beautiful types in the Bible. There is, is, is Abraham goes up to, to sacrifice Isaac. And there in that moment, right before the sacrifice takes place, the Lord stops him. He stops him and there's a ram caught there in the thicket. It's a wonderful foreshadow of Christ and yet it was still just a woolly lamb. The life in that lamb when they left there did not come back on Isaac. It did not come back on Abraham. It was still just a woolly lamb even though it was foreshadowing. Genesis 22:11 shows us, it says, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him for now. 
I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. Now pay attention here. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Notice here it says a ram caught in a thicket. And if you'll look at that word, what thicket is, is thorns or brambles. What we're seeing here in type and represented is sin's curse. There's sin's curse. And it's showing us that the the thorns are going to be upon the head of the Lamb of God. Notice his head is stuck in the thorns. And it's foreshadowing the crown of thorns that we're going to see there at Calvary. It shows that sin's curse is going to be upon his head. But I want you to notice in this situation, it's just a woolly lamb. And so as we look at the scripture, what has the most power, the ram or the thicket? And it's the thicket. This is a woolly lamb and it has no power over the thorns. It has no power over the curse of sin. It has no power over these things that rule the earth and rule over man. It has no power to break. So even though there is a sacrifice, even though there is a substitute, even though God has put this in place to cover it up, it cannot break sin's curse. It still shows that the curse of sin is ruling over man. It still shows that the curse of sin is more powerful than the woolly land. But God gave this substitute until. I said he gave this substitute until. Until what? Until behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Until behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Notice it didn't just cover them up. It didn't just cover it up a little bit. It took them away. You look at that word take away. It says to bury away or to carry off the sin of the world. And when those thorns were cut off that bush and he went and he placed it on the Lamb of God, it wasn't the Lamb of God now that was trapped by the thorns. Oh my, but how the tables had turned. How the tables had turned now he didn't crumble under the weight he didn't struggle with it he knew exactly what to do with that curse he bore that curse up Calvary's hill and he crushed it off of your life he crushed it off of my life he crushed it forever because this wasn't a woolly lamb this was the kinsman redeemer born into the world to crush the curse of sin my how the tables turn This time the curse wasn't holding him. He was holding the curse. He said, come with me, boy. You're going up there, and today is the day that my sons and my daughters' lives will be free forever. You can't hold them anymore. It was the real atonement. It wasn't the substitute. Glory to God. He broke The curse off a man's life forever. And now Satan has no claim on you. He has no right to you. Because of that, I'm free. Because he wore that crown of thorns and went up that hill and he took those beaten, I'm healed. Because of that, a crown awaits me. And it's not a crown from the enemy. It's a crown from Almighty God. My crown is a new body. My crown is a crown of life. You don't have to wear any of the enemy's crowns tonight. Brother Brown says, and that's the same thing Christ did. He made a public testimony at the gates of Jerusalem when he was beaten, smitten, afflicted, and was led up Calvary, Golgotha's hill, and bathed the hill with his own blood, blood as a public testimony that he had redeemed all the fallen estate from back yonder in the beginning and has redeemed his people, that's you, 
from the curse of sin and from the clutches of hell. Listen, it doesn't matter what Satan's tried to put you on, uh, on you tonight. I'm telling you that he's redeemed you from the curse of sin. I don't care what the enemy's trying to tell you tonight. I'm telling you he's redeemed you from the clutches of hell. Hell has no hold on you. Satan has no hold on you. You've been redeemed. You've been bought with the price and you've been set free. There's nothing that we should sit back and allow the enemy to put upon our lives. When he puts a crown there, we should take that crown off and throw it right back in his face and say, take it back. He tries to come and give you a crown of anxiety. Take it back. Take it back, devil. Throw it back at him. He comes and tries to give you a, a crown of depression. You take that crown off and you throw it back and say, you keep it. I'm going to be crowned in joy. I'm not going to allow you to rob my peace. I'm not going to allow you to rob my joy. I'm not going to wear one of your crowns and let it become my identification because it's not who I am. You can't wear the crown of, uh, of anxiety and wear the crown of peace at the same time. You can't wear a crown of depression and wear a crown of joy at the same time. You can't walk around ser serving God and mammon. You can't have two masters. You can't have these two crowns. If you've walked around in depression, you've walked around with fear, I say you've walked around with it long enough. I say take it off tonight and cast it back at the enemy. He has no power to keep it there. It was broke that day at Calvary. Take it back and throw it right back in his face and say today I'm free. Today I wear your crown no longer. Today I will no longer be identified with the kingdom of hell and the powers of darkness. But I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to walk in joy. I'm going to walk in my deliverance. You have that power tonight because of what he did for you at Calvary. Tonight, we should throw them all back at the devil where they came from. Look, they're his crowns anyway. They belong to him anyway. I don't want to keep nothing that belongs to him. Let me go ahead and give it back. I don't want to keep nothing that belongs for him. I'm, to him. I'm not going to sign for that box of rattlesnakes. They're coming back to him anyway. Put them back on his head. Let the fear that he tried to give you consume his life. Let the depression that he tried to put on you, let the devil be sad tonight. But in the camp of the king, let the joy of the Lord reign. I'm not going to have depression. I'm not going to let him put that on me. The devil can be sad tonight. Why should the devil be sad? His kingdom is defeated. His kingdom's being cast down. The Lord omnipotent reigns. There's a bride on earth that's defeating every devil, overcoming every sin, and we're taking in a rapture. I have no reason to be sad. I have no reason to be depressed. But I know someone who does. The devil can take that depression and sit there with it and be defeated in it because he's not holding me any longer and don't let him hold you either it's going back on him anyway and the more he puts on you the more he's going to have to carry the more he tries to put on your life the more that's going to be visited back on him because brother Branham says it was the blood of his own son that when our confessed sin drops into God's bleach try to find it again the coloring of sin goes back through the mediators down through the time until it hits the accuser, Satan, and it lays on him until the day of judgment. Oh, I love that. Everything he has ever tried to put on your life will be on his head. Every fear, every sickness, every lie, every time he smeared your good character, the blood bought, blood washed daughters and sons of the living God is going back on his head. He's going to have to carry that burden. It's not your burden to carry anymore. Every word he ever whispered in your ear, every lie he ever told, the sickness that he told you would destroy you will destroy him. The fear that he tried to give you is going to consume him. 
The lies he whispered in your ears will be played back at the day of judgment as the condemning testimony that will seal his fate forever. His very words he used will condemn him and be used against him. It reminds me there in 2 Samuel where the man tells David that he's killed Saul. And David, after he weeps and mourns, he has the man killed. He has him killed for touching God's anointed. And David says unto him, thy blood be upon thy head. Tell the devil that tonight. Let all those curses be upon your head. That, that time you're going to spend burning in the lake of fire, let that be upon your head. Those are your sins. Those are your lies. Watch what David tells him. For thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. The devil likes to crow and brag. I've attacked the, the king of kings bride. I've come against the bride of Jesus Christ. I'm holding those little children down. I've bound some with fear. I've bound some with sickness. I've bound some with this. I've bound some with cancer. I've bound some with diabetes. Some with high blood pressure. Some of them can't. They can't even function right because they're so bound down. And I say, Satan, your own word condemns you. Your own word condemns you. How dare you touch the head of the anointed of the living God. The bride of Jesus Christ has been anointed for victory. We have been anointed to raise in a rapture. We've been anointed to rule. We've been anointed for the throne. How dare he touch you and let the words out of his mouth be the very judgment upon his head. Glory to God. You're not going to be destroyed by the things he tries to put on you. He'll be destroyed. He's the one being cursed. He's the one that's going to burn. But you're going in a rapture. You're going to live in eternity. As the eternity rolls, when there is no more devil, when there is no more curses, when there is no more sickness, I'll be shouting on the streets of glory. Glory, hallelujah. Because my God went to the cross that I might wear a crown. Hallelujah. He hadn't got away with one thing he's ever done to you. The Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to his wickedness. You are the anointed bride. And when he gets after you, he's got the Lord Jesus on his hands. Amen. Praise the Lord. Satan comes to try to crown you, but he has no right to. Sometimes it's not sinful things. Sometimes it's circumstances of life. Sometimes it's the time of life that you're going through. Brother Branham even references that in that quote. He says, as we get older, things begin to pile up. But he still has no right to take those things and make them become your identity, become who you are. He'll take something like, like menopause that women have to go through. And then he'll try to, it's a natural thing, and yet he'll come and try to attach himself with it. Bring some spirit of depression. Try to mess up the emotions, and then from there try to stir up the home. And then he'll turn right around on the sister and try to bring guilt. Say, you did this. No, you didn't do that, sis. That's the enemy. That's coming in trying to tear up your home and he's trying to place the blame on you. Don't worry, he'll be held accountable for it. Don't worry, he'll be judged for it. That's not you. He tries to come and just attach things to people's lives that they have nothing. 
they had nothing to do with and try to make it their identity. And Brother Tim, forgive me for this. But the Satan would come down through the curse of sin and try to mar your life and try to make the crown that you wore and your identity be crippled. But God looks at that and says, no, that's not your crown. That's not your identity. That's not who you are. And look, God's exchange rate's the greatest thing in the world. And he says, not only is that not your identity, but I'm going to crown you and make you one of the greatest men that has walked the face of the earth in the midst of the Laodicean church age. That's how my God operates. He takes the curses of the enemy and he turns them into blessings upon your life. He takes the curses that he tries to put upon you and it strengthens you and it makes you and it molds you. And the enemy says, how was he so strong? How can he bear so much? Well, you did it, stupid. When you lift weights to get bigger and stronger, something I've never done. But when you do, what it does is it tears your muscles down. It's something that's pushing against you. It's something that's fighting against you. It's something that's saying you can't do it. It's something that says you can't overcome. And you grit your teeth and you push it up one more time. And you go one more set. And you go one more rep. And through it all, even though it torments, and even though you don't like it, and even though there's nothing fun about it, at the end you can come back and say, I'm stronger because of it. I can do more now than I ever could. The little things that used to hinder me no longer hinder me because the enemy's buffeting and the enemy's pushing. But through the grace of God, I'm still moving forward. I'm still pushing forward and I'm not going to let that thing that he's put in my life crown me and become my identity. God has a crown for me. God has my identity. My identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but we have to say something. You say, what, what do you mean by that? You can't just sit there idle and not say anything when he comes to put these on you. You can't just walk around and in your mind going, I'm a Christian. Surely this thing's going to leave. I'm a Christian, surely this thing's going to go. It's not going to go till you say something. You have to open up your mouth and use the word upon your lips. It's the same as deity speaking. And you have to command that thing to go. And when you do, it'll go. You have to pick up the word of God and you have to begin to fight. And you have to say, I'm not about to be crowned with this high blood pressure. I'm not about to be crowned with this cancer or with this TB or this sugar diabetes or whatever you want to name. I'm not going to be crowned with that. That's not going to identify who I am. You can't sit back idle and accept the crown that he sends your way because if you do, how can I say this? Silence is consent. Your silence to the situation is the consent for what's going on. That's something even parents can take and apply to their home is when things are going on, if you just sit by idly and don't say anything about it, your silence is, their cons- is your consent. You have to be willing to step up and stand for what's right. Stand against the thing that's, that's trying to come into your home or trying to come. Look, because Satan wants to crown your home as well. It's not just individuals. He would love to come and take that home. And instead of it being crowned with the peace of God and the joy of the Lord and the, and the victory of God in a place where, where the husband and the wife have a sanctuary and the kids, he wants to come and tear it apart. And he brings in little things. and he, Anything that you leave unprotected, remember this, any gate unprotected is an entrance for the enemy. Okay, so keep everything protected. And when you recognize something coming in, you got to stand up. You can't be silent. Silence is consent. You got to stand up and say, No, you're not coming into my home. No, you're not robbing the joy out of this home. No, you're not taking my kids. No, you're not going to consume our time with all that junk. We're, this home is going to be a sanctuary, and you got to stand up to see what kind of crown is going to be upon your home. 
You can't allow those things to, to come in. Silence is consent. If we say nothing, if we do nothing, then we consent to what it is he's trying to put upon us. But when we speak. Listen, you can never underestimate the power of the spoken word. Never underestimate. The world was created by the power of the spoken word. Brother Branham would even say that you'd have the power in the spoken word to speak another world and, and go live upon it. There is great power in the words that you speak. If you have that power, I guarantee you, you have the power to tell some little imp devil to get off my head, get off my life. You're not crowning me and tell him where to go. But you can't just sit back and go, well, I guess this is just the way it is. No, it's not just the way it is. When you do that, you, you take away from the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus paid. He didn't pay that price so you can sit around and go, I guess this is just the way it is. He paid for it so that you can stand up and have the strength and the backbone to stand against anything that comes your way, overcome anything that comes your way, take the word of God, put it on your lips, and defeat the enemy any place, anytime, anywhere. That's why he died. That's why he went to Calvary. And that's why we can overcome. That's the whole purpose. At the end of all this, if I could say one thing as we... Uh, uh, at the end of this service, if you don't remember anything, I want you to remember what's it all about. Victory. It's all about victory. I want to be crowned in victory, and I will never be crowned in defeat. He paid for victory. He didn't pay for defeat there at the cross of Calvary. It is up to us to take what he's done and apply it to our situation for victory. Never underestimate the power of the spoken word. When we recognize, and this is the key is recognizing. But when we recognize that it's not your crown to wear, you don't have to be what he says you are, then it will move. Look, quit confusing crosses and crowns. Quit confusing crosses and crowns. Uh, Brother Tim hit on this a couple of services ago, people that think that their sickness is from the Lord. I'm bearing this for the glory of God. No, you're not. No, there are times that we have a cross to bear. The Bible tells us there's a cross to bear, but we do not ever have to wear one of the devil's crowns. All right? Sure, we have a cross to bear. Brother Branham says it's hard in one way, but it's so sweet. At nighttime, when you lay your head on the pillow to know you've done your level best to do something for somebody, no matter how much scorn there is to bear and how much cross there is, must Jesus bear the cross of loan and all the world go free? There's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. All this isn't a flowery bed of ease, friend. See, those are things that we do for the Lord, uh, things that we, that we carry. He, you know, you have a cross to bear just like he does, but God's never going to ask you to bear or wear something that he died to overcome. He's not going to give his life and then ask you to bear something that he died to conquer. So don't confuse your crosses and crowns. Yes, it says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's where people like to go. Well, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But if you stop right there, you're not really being scriptural. Because if you continue, it says, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So sure you have affliction. Sure you have trials. Sure you have sickness that comes. But I can stand and know that the Lord is going to deliver me out of A-L-L all. I love how Brother Timothy says, that's a little bitty word, but everything will inside that word every sickness every trial every struggle everything you go through the Lord will deliver you out of them all that's without exception but you don't know what I'm going through you're right but I know what all means and your situation fits right there he's going to deliver you out of them all problem is some people Enjoy their crowns. 
And they walk around with it perched proudly on their head. Look at my crown of depression. Look at my crown of sickness. Look at my crown of, a, of infirmity. And they sit their crown just perfect to show it off. And they'll stay bound forever until they wake up and realize I don't have to be this way. And, and until they wake up and, and, and realize this is not who I am. Listen, once you wake up and realize you're in a hog pen and you realize the servants have it better at home than I have it. Once you come to that realization, once you come to yourself, and once you come out of that hog pen, let me tell you that that crown that says sinner, that crown that says backslider, you don't have to bear it as you run down that road towards home. You can leave it right there in the pig pen. The minute you recognize I'm a son of God, I'm not a backslider, I'm not a sinner, that crown does not identify me, that's not who I am. You leave that behind and you run towards, the, towards home with all you got. And there, there is a crown that says son, there is a crown that says daughter, there's a father waiting to kill the fatted calf but you got to recognize I don't have to stay in this situation I don't have to stay in this pig pen my father's calling there's crowns waiting for me and I'm not going to wear this crown any, anymore but you got to get up and wade through the muck and wade through the mud and swallow your pride and you got to get on that long road and you got to head home and I say do it right now if you've been sitting around all this time waiting I'm telling you he's calling right now he's telling you come home right now I got a crown for you that crown you're wearing of lukewarm, of backslider. That's not who you are. That's what the devil has put on you. But cast it down tonight and go claim the crown that Jesus Christ has for you. Goodness, once you recognize you don't have to stay that way. Once Legion came out of those tombs. Woo. Once Legion came out of those tombs, he had been crowned with every demon that Satan could put on him. Because the devil had tried to change his identity. But deep down, that man knew, my name is not Legion. Deep down, he knew, that's not my name. That's just the name that demons gave him. The demon wants to give you a name. Don't you accept that identity. Don't you accept that identity. He said, that is not who I am. I'm not Legion. I, 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 this is me. This is something that's controlling me. This is something that's taking over me. That was the name of the demons that was trying to hold the man. His name was never was Legion. He said, what's your name? And the demon spoke out because the demon had control at that moment. But what the demon didn't realize and what we've already learned is at that moment he had already lost. Once Jesus heard that heart's cry and began to come across on the ship, that devil had already lost. Once that thing began to speak out, speak out I can tell you from experience, it was just about over. Because that man knew my name is not Legion. And Jesus knew his name is not Legion. Because before the foundation of the world, he had already wrote his name in the Lamb's book of life glory to God he can't change your name he can't change your name God wrote it in blood he wrote it in the last book of life how dare him try to change your name how dare he try to crown you with some lukewarm spirit you're the blood bump blood walk bride of Jesus Christ he can't change your name glory to God legion was not his name Depression's not your name. Anxiety's not your name. Sin is not your name. You're an overcomer bought with the price. This message is called your name. It's been written in blood. 
What's your name? My name is redeemed. What's your name? My name is child of the one true king. What's your name tonight? My name is delivered. My name is healed. My name is set free. Hallelujah. What's your name? Legion. No, sir. No, it's not. That never was his name. You were never meant to be bound. I am his victory. That's who I am. Don't answer to a name that doesn't belong to you. Listen, the battle's over. Victory's been won. And when the battle was over, Rahab got to wear a different crown. Battle's over right there. You don't have to wear that crown devil put on your head no more. She went from Rahab the harlot. Let me tell you this. She wasn't called that anymore. But she actually became one that became in the very bloodline of Jesus Christ. The mothers of Jesus Christ. That, she was in that bloodline. Because the battle was over and she got to wear a different crown. I don't care how long you've been wearing the crown that devil put on you. I don't care how long you've been walking around on. It can all be over with right now. It can all be over with in a moment, in an instant, in an instant of time. You can settle the situation right now with this little application of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It can be settled right now with an application of prayer. It can be settled right now with the application of the word saying, by his stripes I'm healed. That crown, I don't care if it's been on your head for 10 years, can hit the floor in the next second and a new crown be on your head. Devil, listen, I tell you what, I hope tonight that the devil leaves here with a bag of crowns. I hope he leaves here. Look, I know there's a time testified of where the Lord Jesus Christ is going to get a lot of crowns. I look forward to that. But tonight, I want the enemy to get a lot of crowns. I want the devil to leave here with a sack over his shoulder full of the crowns that you cast down, full of your sin, full of your depression. Let him tote them out of here. They wasn't yours to begin with. Devil, I ain't leaving here with this crown. I got a new one tonight. I got a new crown paid for by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bear with me. I'm going to have to skip a lot. Satan will offer you all kind of crowns. He did it to Jesus. He did it to Moses. He did it to Brother Branham. And none of them would bow. None of them would settle. There's been lots of examples. The three Hebrew children. He may offer you a new job. He may offer you money. But like I said at the very beginning, you lay all that at Jesus' feet. And you let him crown you because he can do it way better than you ever could anyway. But he did this exact same thing to Jesus. It says, and the devil took him up on a high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. But see, Jesus wouldn't settle for it. I'm going to ask us tonight, what will we settle for? We can't settle for a corruptible crown tonight. What is it that we will allow to keep us from reaching the crowns we're supposed to obtain? Jesus wouldn't settle. Satan tried to offer him things that Jesus was going to obtain anyway. But he tried to offer it to him without the struggle. He tried to offer it to him without the battle. And he said, all you got to do is bow down and worship me. Listen, don't settle to the devil when you're, you're the heir of all things anyway. He's just trying to get you to settle for something without the fight. 
without the struggle. But what you have to understand is there's always strings attached. There's always strings attached. And the word would tell you, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I'll crown your life with a good, good husband or with a good wife. I'll crown your life with a good job. I'll put these things. But don't you settle for the crowns that Satan's offering you without the struggle when I have these crowns that I'm wanting to, to, to give you. But seek first the kingdom of God. Brother Branham says the winners of the worldly race of life will soon lose the joy of the plaudits of the world. Their glory will fail. But those who give their lives for God, either by daily striving or shedding their blood, as the crowning sacrifice of their lives, will be given the crown of life. All too little time is spent on laboring for the eternal rewards of God. The recompense of God is too lightly esteemed. If we believe in the reality of the resurrection of the body and the eternal kingdom of substance, then we ought to lay up in heaven those good treasures that are available to the faithful saints. Listen, don't sell out. Don't sell out to the devil. He'll try to get you to sell your gift. Understand, like I, I said earlier, the Lord's exchange rate's incredible. The devil's exchange rate's terrible. It's awful. And what you've got to understand is if he's trying to make you a deal, it ain't in your favor. It's not even pennies on the dollar. If he's trying to get you to sell your gift, it's because he recognizes the power in that gift. He recognizes the blessings of the Holy Spirit that follows that gift. If he's trying to get you to sell short yourself and not receive the full baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's because he recognizes what will happen in your life once you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And anything he's offering you in exchange for that is not worth it. God's children don't settle. And yet people settle all the time. We see people settle for, for, for riches that fade like the rich young ruler. We see people that settle for popularity that fades, like sports stars. Ten years from now, they fade and they lose their ability and nobody remembers who they are. It's the next big thing and the next one. We see people that settle for pleasures of sin for a season. But God's people never settle for those kind of crowns. We could read in Hebrews, where, 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 and we will, we'll read 11, uh, 11, 26, Hebrews eleven twenty six, where the crown is offered to Moses. He could have been the Pharaoh of Egypt, and it says... Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect. That means to turn the eye away from other things and to fix them on some one thing and to look steadfast. Said so he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He realized how great that reward was. He realized that that crown and that crown were not comparable. He realized that his mind couldn't fathom what his reward would be if he stood the test. So God's people, they, they do not settle. But the world is full of people who settle. And the world, as we know it, is being crowned by Satan. We know he's the God of this evil age. The people in this world are crowned by his spirits. Uh, they're crowned by his mind. They're crowned by his attitude. And yet in the midst of all that, there's another people that is rejecting the crowns of Satan. They're rejecting everything that he offers. They're rejecting everything that he tries to get you to sell out to. Moses wouldn't sell out for, for a crown. Jesus wouldn't sell out for all the kingdoms in the world. And Brother Branham wouldn't sell out for a bigger ministry and greater popularity. You know, he could have had probably the most popular ministry that ever struck the face of the earth with the gifts that he had. And yet he wouldn't sell out. Because those crowns wasn't worth it to him. And because thou hast chosen the harder way. Look at the exchange rate. Because thou hast chosen the harder way, a greater portion of heaven 
awaits you. And we know that means a greater portion of the word and, and to distribute to the people. But in one place you'll find Brother Branham. And he says, I pray that God will crown my ministry by allowing me to take the word and dress the bride of Jesus Christ. I would say that he reached that goal. I would say that that, that is exactly how his ministry was crowned. Because here we are, a people on the earth, a literal spoken word bride. You would not be here had that message not come forth. We wouldn't be sitting in this building had that message not been spoken. So you are literally a creation of the spoken word as you sit here in this building tonight. He gave up the crowns of earth. He gave up the crowns of money. He gave up the crowns of popularity. And he, his ministry was crowned with one of the greatest, the greatest crowning of any ministry that has been on the earth since Jesus Christ. Because he was able to dress the bride in the word of the hour. Earth's crowns cannot compete with heaven's crowns. And so what we're on right now is I don't want us to settle. And I know I went through that very quick, but I'm just trying to establish something quickly is that we cannot settle. We can't settle in our church services. We can't settle for, for, for good, just, just good services and good songs. We, we can't settle for good sermons, as I said. And we definitely cannot settle for cold, formal, intellectual services. I pray I never see the day where no cold, formal religion will ever settle itself and crown Evening Light Tabernacle. I say that's one crown we reject tonight. We cast that crown down and we say, Lord Jesus, you move in our services the way you want to move. If you want to see the gifts of the Spirit poured out, pour them out. We want to see the sick healed. We want to see an atmosphere created where lives can be changed, where births can take place. We want to cast that crown down tonight we reject that crown because God wants to crown us with the Holy Spirit Leviticus says for the crown of the anointing oil of God is upon him see the, the anointing of the spirit is to all that have it a crown of glory and with that crown comes the moving of the spirit with that crown comes the works of the spirit with that crown comes the fruit of the spirit with that crown comes the gifts of the spirit brother Branham says the bride, the evening lights coming, the faith that was once delivered to the saints, beginning to restore back to the church. The fig tree is putting forth its buds. She began to move out. The evening light, the very same gospel that was preached on the day of Pentecost, the very signs that followed for 30-something odd years after that down in the church has returned back to the church again, falling right down to the end, right down to the end. So here we are. It's not over yet. They're still falling. All right, because he says it's going to fall down to the end. Brother, let me tell you, you can call me Holy Roller if you want to. You can say what you want to. But I see back yonder in Genesis where that great Orthodox spirit started back there, just as religious, just as pious as it could be. And I see where that thing in the last days has come down all the way through the Bible where the Holy Spirit watched it. Watch for it in the last days. It'll be very fundamentally right having a form of godliness, but will deny the power thereof from such turn away. Get away from it. I'm glad today I number myself with the holy rollers. That's the reason that I believe today in the old-fashioned baptizing of the Holy Ghost with powers and signs and wonders. Hallelujah. It's the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's how I believe it too. I believe in the old-fashioned baptizing of the Holy Ghost. If that's how the Lord wants to crown this church, I say, so be it. Pour it out, Lord. Let that crown be upon this church. He says, well, you say I've got the Holy Ghost too. Well, if you do, you're bound to believe in the supernatural signs and wonders because you're added to it. 
Then you say, oh, no, I don't believe in divine healing. I don't believe in all that racket and carrying on. I don't believe in all that shouting, praising God, crying, tears are running down your cheeks. I don't believe in all that, and I know there's no such a thing. Then it shows you haven't got it. So if it shows you haven't got it, then what is it that has crowned your life? What kind of a crown is sitting upon your life if it's his desire to crown your life with the Holy Ghost? If it's his desire to crown this church with the moving of the Spirit and the Holy Ghost and you haven't got it, then what is it you got? It's time that we look into the mirror of God's Word and begin to ask ourselves these questions. Well, I don't believe in all that. He says, then you haven't got it. That's not me. That's what the prophet of God said. See, Satan has crowned churches through the ages with that cold, formal spirit. And here we are in Eden, and he's created in Eden, and it's his crown jewel upon the earth, just as Eden was God's crown jewel in the beginning of the earth. And the people of this world are being crowned. And Brother Brown would even say that Satan has a bride that's being crowned. But in the midst of all of that, I'm going to wear a crown. Amen. God has a bride that's going to receive her crown, and she's not going to let no man take it. Revelation 3 would tell us, hold fast that which you have, that no man takes your crown. Bear with me. Let me skip here. Notice we read from Esther. Esther 2, 17. It says, And the king loved Esther above all the women, and that she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the other virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now, notice somebody didn't hold fast. Somebody put their own ideas over the king's ideas. If we'll notice here, what you find when you read is that the king is holding a feast, and at the exact same time, the queen is holding a feast. We see in Esther 1.9, it says, Also Vashti the queen made a feast for the women in the royal house, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. Notice now in verse 10, on the seventh day, I'm going to skip some of this, he commanded, verse 11, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal. Notice she has the crown. Hold fast that no man take that crown. She's been crowned queen. It says to show the people and the princes her beauty for she was fair to look on. Look, the king was proud of her. The king wanted to show her off. The king loved Vashti. She was his queen. He was proud. And he said, call her, bring her in, bring her to the feast that the people can see her. Verse 12, but the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment. Look, we've always put this out there on denominations. And we've always talked about how, you know, God sent a message and, and, and he called people to the feast. And because they wouldn't come, he was going to crown a new queen. And we put this out there that they wouldn't come to the feast. But, but look where we're at, church. He has called and he sent a message for us to return to the land of Pentecost. What was Malachi sent for? Malachi 4 was sent for to turn your hearts back to the faith of the fathers. That's the whole purpose of Malachi 4. If you miss the turning back to, then you've missed it altogether. If you refuse to turn back to, then, then you're refusing exactly what the message was sent to do. He's called and he sent a message to, to return to the land of Pentecost. And we've been invited to the feast. 
It's the king's feast, the original Pentecostal feast. And our hearts have been turned back there. Why, why back there? What's there? What's at the original feast? Healings at the original feast. The Holy Spirit's at the original feast. The gifts of the Spirit, the, the casting out of devils, the healing of the sick, the book of Acts. That's what awaits when you turn your faith back to the faith of the fathers. That's where the Holy Ghost moves. That's where atmospheres are created and lives are changed. That's where people get filled with the Holy Ghost. When your faith is turned back to the faith of the fathers and the king is saying, come to the feast. Come to the feast. I've prepared all this for you and I want you to come to my feast. And Vashti's saying, no, but I'm already having a feast. Vashti's sitting there, the king's saying, I, I, but I sent a message for you to come to my feast, to return you to the, to, to the book of Acts, to return you to the original faith. Don't refuse it. Don't push it away. Don't turn it away. And people in the message are sitting there refusing to come to the feast. They're refusing to return to Pentecost. And they're hung up on their own feast. And they're hung up on their own pet doctrines. And they're hung up on their favorite quotes. And they're sitting there going, but I have a feast right here. I'm having a feast right here. Why do I have to come back? Why do I have to come back there? I'm having a feast and they're refusing to return. He said, come eat this. Come eat the whole lamb. And they're going, no, but I got these quotes right here. These are my favorite sermons. Did you know Brother Branham said this right here? And he's saying, return to the feast. And they won't move. And they won't come back to the feast. And so they have no power. There's no atmosphere to change a life. There's no moving of the spirit. Why? Because if you'll look a little deeper, you'll find that not only did she not go to his feast, but the king was never invited to her feast. The king's presence is not at Vashti's feast. I don't care how many quotes she has. I don't care how many good sermons are preached. The king hasn't been invited. His presence has been locked out on the outside. And the king isn't at Vashti's feast. And so he gets angry and he gets wroth. And he says, she will no longer be the queen. Vashti didn't hold fast. She said, well, I don't believe in all that. I'm not going to do all that. I'm not going to snot all over an altar. I'm not going to run and shout. I'm not going to be a holy roller. Okay, Vashti. I'm not saying you have to do that, but you better be willing to do whatever God wants you to do to get whatever it is you need to get. You better not be a spiritual fire extinguisher that sits over there and mocks and makes fun and sits there and says, I don't believe all this. Why we got to have a... Okay, Vashti. You better hold fast the crown that was given you before unless another man take it. That doesn't mean if you look into that word, it doesn't mean that there's somebody running around trying to steal your crown. That word actually means unless another man receive it. Because somebody's going to come to the feast. Somebody's going to do what the king is beckoning. Somebody is going to come to the feast and eat the whole lamb and let the spirit of God move in their life and let it crown them and crown their life and crown their church. I'll tell you what, I'll wear that crown. I'll take that crown tonight. Lord, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to act, whatever spirits you want to pour out upon me, whatever gifts of the Spirit, Lord, I'll take it all. Just let my life be crowned in the Holy Spirit. Don't let my, my church be dead. Don't let my home be dead. Don't let my life be dead. Lord, whatever you want to pour out, Lord, if I got a snot on the altar, if I got to roll around on the floor, whatever I got to do to have that birth, Lord, I'm willing to do it. Whatever I got to do to have my life crowned by you, that's what I'm going to do. And so we find in Esther 119, and I'm bringing this to a close. What a wonderful type we find all through the book of Esther and the crowning of God's people and the casting down and the destruction of Satan. But 119, it says, Let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes 
that it is not to be altered, that Vashti come no more before the king. There comes a point where he'll say, you come no more. And let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. Oh my, she's been rejected for not coming to the feast. Brother Branham says, the hour has come. His bride has made herself ready. Made herself ready. She laid aside all these things. Remember, Esther was chosen and the others was rejected. And only those that's born again, that's got the spirit of God, will be the chosen that day. That the crown of glory will be set upon her head. And the others will be rejected. Moving down to Esther 2.17. And I've read this, but I'm going to read it again for the sake of continuity. And the king loved Esther above all the women. She obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So that he set the royal crown upon her head. And he made her queen instead of Vashti. There you are, Esther. There you sit, Esther. There you are with the crown upon your head because you're willing to come to the feast. You're willing, king, whatever your command is. I'll stop what I'm doing. I'll put aside my thoughts. I'll put aside my ideas. I'll put aside that, and I'll come to your feast. There you sit, crowned with the crown. There you sit, highly favored. There you sit, coming to the world for such a time as this. Sitting there, crowned with the crown, because that's who you are. That's the crown you're going to wear right there. The king's crown is going to be put on your head. And yet, even so, the devil doesn't quit. Even so, the devil doesn't stop. Oh, I'm crowned with the, I'm going to be the queen of heaven. Well, the devil doesn't go, my bad. I'm just going to go over here. No, he attacks you all the harder. If thou be, if thou be, if thou be. And he keeps coming and he keeps coming. He's constantly scheming of ways to bring you down, constantly trying to crown you with one of his poison crowns. He hates that you won't bow down to him. He hates that you, that, that you won't wear one of his crowns. And, and just like Jesus, you refuse to bow. You refuse to wear one of his crowns. Just like the three Hebrew children, you, you defy him. And we find that Mordecai was the same way. Esther 3 and 5, it says, And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. For they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. Even the people of Mordecai. He hates you. He hates what you stand for. He hates the seed that you belong to. He hates all the people. And it's not just you, but he's after all the people of God. He plots to destroy you and all those that are like you. He plots to crown you with a crown of death. He plots to crown you with a crown of defeat. But it shall not come to pass. The word of the Lord says it shall not come to pass. For you have found favor in the king's eyes. And he set a crown upon your head. And we know that Esther made a banquet. And she invites the king. And she invites Haman. Listen. That's okay. Bring them devils on in. As long as you completely understand that we're going to expose them and we're going to destroy them and we're going to send them straight back to hell, you bring them on in here. That's fine. This is the perfect place for you to bring your Hamans. Bring them on in and let them be exposed in the preaching of the word. Let them be exposed in, in, in the moving of the spirit. And, and, and she invites Haman and she invites the king. And then that night, the night before, it says in Esther 6, 1, on that night could not the king sleep. And he commanded them, bring the book of records of the chronicles. And they were read before the king, and it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, totally mispronounced, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on the king of Hazarus. And the king said, what honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? 
Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, there was nothing done for him. So what happened in the time of trouble there when there was a plot to lay to destroy the king, when there was a plot to stop the moving of the spirit in the churches, when there was a plot to keep people from going back to Pentecost, Mordecai had stood up and let the plot be known. And he was not afraid to stand for truth and he had pointed it out. And now the king's reading down through the book of Chronicles later and he says, what was done for this man that he did all this for me? What was done that he stood for me in those times? And he said, nothing was done for him, my king. Let me tell you something. Our Lord Jesus will be indebted to no man. Anything you've done for the Lord, any day you've served him, any day you've lived for him, you will be rewarded. You will be crowned for it. And he says, what was done for this man that stood for me in this time? And they said, nothing was done for him. And verse 4 says, and the king said, who's in the court? Now Haman was coming to the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And this king said, Let him come in. And we're going to skip down to verse 7 because the king has asked him, What shall we do to honor this man? And Haman thinks it's for him. And he says, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought which the king useth to wear. And the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal, which is set upon his head. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste, and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so unto Mordecai. Skip down to verse 11. At the end it says, And thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Little bride tonight, the king delighteth to honor you. The king delighted to put a crown upon your head. The king delighted to wrap you in his robes of righteousness. The king delighted to honor you tonight. It's what he wanted to do to Vashti all along. He wanted to bring her into his presence, but she refused his presence. And now he delighted to honor you. And the royal garments being put upon you and the crown is placed upon your head. Listen, I just don't think this is exactly how the devil saw this playing out. When he created his Eden, when he made it as evil as it could possibly be, he didn't see you standing here tonight with a robe of righteousness wrapped around you, with the king's crown upon your head. I don't think this is the way he saw it, but this is how the king saw it, because the king delighteth in you. You have favor in the king. You can wear a crown because of what he did right there on Calvary. In the midst of Satan planning your destruction, you stand. When there was a plot on the king, you stood for truth. You stand against any attack on the true word of God. You stand against any attack against the moving of the spirit. And while Haman is trying to destroy you with sickness, you proclaimed, my God is a healer. While Satan is plotting to crown you with death, when Satan says, here's your crown, God said, get back. I've got a crown. Satan said, I'm going to put this crown. God said, no, get back. Satan said, I'm going to crown your life with cancer and death. God said, I have a crown of life for her. Satan said, I'm going to crown you with fear. God said, I have a crown of peace for you. Satan said, I'm going to crown your life to where you can't be forgiven. He said, I have a crown of life that says you are forgiven. Every time Satan comes to put a crown upon your life, the Lord says, get back. You can't have this one. You aren't going to put this crown upon them because I've already provided the crown that they're going to wear. He can't put nothing on you. You found favor in the sight of the king. My Satan tries to bring high blood pressure. He tries to crown you with all this stuff. God says, no, I have a crown. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crown your life with alopecia. Lord says, no, I'm going to restore the glory. I'm going to put a crown of hair back on that head. Oh, hallelujah. He says, I'm going to crown you as barren. The Lord Jesus says, no, I crown you as mother. You will not be barren. You don't have to wear that crown. 
There's another crown for you. There's another crown prepared for you. Just prepare the head for it because it's coming. Your blessing coming. The crown is coming. You're going to wear a crown. Hallelujah. And Haman told Jairus, his wife, and all his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise man and Jairus, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but thou shalt surely fall before him. I love how, as we bring this down, this is the last thing, and they come back to the feast. And Esther said, in, in Esther 7, 6, 7, 5, King Ahasuerus answers and says unto Esther the queen, Who is he? Where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? Who would put this crown upon my bride? Who would try to put this crown upon them and, and, and mar their life, mar their testimony? Bring sickness in their body. Who? And Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king arising from the banquet. I read that and instantly I thought of Daniel 12, 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up. Oh, I love that. It said in the king arising from the table. Listen, once you expose that enemy and you go before the king of kings, the one who has crowned you to be his queen, you say, this is the one. This is the one that's tormenting me. This is the one that's trying to bring my life down to death. This is the one bringing sickness. This is the one trying to bring defeat. Then on that day shall Michael stand up and the plots of the enemy will be destroyed. The plots of the enemy will be torn down. His crowns will be cast aside. But you, you shall wear a crown and it'll be the crown of life it'll be the crown of victory it'll be the crown that we're all striving for tonight oh glory to God I'm gonna wear a crown you're gonna wear a crown there's a crown for you and 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 it's not the devil's crown it's the crown of the king of kings and the lord of lords and one of these days I'm gonna be crowned with it hallelujah oh glory to God if you will stand to your feet with me and give him praise because he has broke every chain. He has broke sin's curse that I might wear a crown. He has tore down Satan and defeated him at every place. Hallelujah. The torments, the crown of torments that he meant for you, he is going to receive. If you follow that story to the end, Haman had built a, a gallows for Mordecai. He had built them all high. And this is just like I said earlier, everything that the devil plans for you is going to fall on his head. And, the, and, and he said, he comes to him right here in verse 7, And Harbanah, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold, the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good of the king, standeth in the house of Haman. And the king said, Hang him thereon. Glory to God that day. And they'll say, and the, and the devil said about him, he wouldn't make it. The devil said about him, he'd be tormented in a lake of fire. The devil said about him, he'd burn for millions of years. And the king of kings is going to say, Hang him thereon. Those torments are not for you they are for the devil and you will be crowned with a crown of life church tonight don't let him change your identity complex is not your name sin is not your name pornography is not your name sickness is not your name you tell the devil tonight take it back take it back
I'm not leaving here with that crown. But I've been crowned with a new name. I'm spotless. I'm virtuous. I'm sinless. I'm free. I am victorious. Amen. Brother Branham says, and I want to echo this because it's my feelings. You know, one day I do believe we'll receive a crown. But crowns are won here. They're rewarded there. I want to see you win crowns here. And Brother Branham says, and then at the day of rewards, when they're given out, God's standing there. I hope I'm standing near with my hands up screaming to see him place the crown upon your head. And you be crowned a jewel in his crown. I want to be there and see you when you get your crown. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how grateful we are, Lord Jesus, for all you've done for us. How grateful we are for that crown of thorns that you took, Lord Jesus. Lord, does it symbolize sin and shame and the curse that kept us from being free and victorious. But, Lord, you took that crown that we might wear a crown. You took that crown that we could rule and reign, Lord, over sin, over death, over hell, over everything that the enemy would put at us, Lord. And, Lord, we don't have to accept one thing from him today because we are free. Our name is not in any crown the devil gives us, but our name was put in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And we're here to worship you, Lord Jesus, with all our heart. We love you, Lord. We give you this service. And I just pray, Lord God, you have your way, Lord, that the words of this go to the place you intended them to, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.